Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to be back in the book of Judges, the end of chapter 6 into chapter 7. Just a quick recap. We know that the, uh, the book of Judges, the children of Israel, just go through this roller coaster. Apostasy, God's judgment, repentance, and then deliverance. Now, um, the last verse in the, in the book says uh, the people did what was right in their own eyes, uh, which we know is always a bad thing. But the other part of that verse is there was no king in Israel. There was no, no national leader. Um, there's an assumption that there's a high priest, but he's never mentioned in the book of Judges. I know a few Sundays ago, uh, Pastor Joe referred to uh, Second Kings, King Josiah, when, when he was brought the book of the law, he read it and he tore his clothes. Um, in Moses, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 31, he instructs that the book of, every seven years, the, book of, the people are to be gathered together and the book of the law is to be read to them. That doesn't seem <clears throat> to be happening here in the book of Judges. There's, again, they, they keep turning away from him. So we learned last time that we met Gideon, uh, there was 40 years of peace after, uh, after Barak and, uh, <clears throat> and Deborah that had defeated Jabin and Sisera. And then... I guess you get this complacency. You get to be complacent after a while. Uh, I know I've been in the been in the garment industry for almost thirty years, and I remember being with uh, I'm going to say an old garmento who had been around for a long time, and worked with some of the big names. I'm not going to mention him, and he said, you know, when in these businesses, sales cover up a lot of sins. When everything is running great. Uh, everybody's getting bonuses, everything's wonderful. And then all of a sudden, you know, this, this clerk leaves and they start looking and say, well, what are, what's all this mail on her desk? And it's millions of dollars in chargebacks, markdowns from vendors. So then you start on the downhill path. And that's, that's what happens here. They, they go for 40 years and then, then they turn away from him. They, they, again, get complacent. We know that from the beginning they haven't followed God's precepts because they left the people of the land. They left some of the people in the land, which God didn't want them to do because he knew they would be tempted. He knew they would be uh, tempted to turn away from him. The first question, does God really care about us or has God abandoned us? Now, we know God sent a prophet. No name on a prophet. He's not there for a, a very long time, but to remind them of all he had done for them, leading them out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea. And it's not that he has, he has abandoned them, it's that they have turned away from him. The second question, does God know what he's doing? Because we know when he, he goes to Gideon and he calls him a mighty man of, mighty man of valor, um, 
some might take that as being sarcastic because Gideon is, you know, I'm the least, my tribe is the least, my family is the least, and I'm the least. Well, we know that God is never sarcastic, and he always means what he says. So after that, <clears throat> once Gideon realizes who he's talking to, uh, and he tests him the first time, he asks him for the first sign, we know that God wanted him to get the idolatry out of his family, to tear down the, the altar of Baal and uh, use it for firewood. And that's where we're, we're going to start off in, uh, in verse 33. After all that, when Gideon's father, when the people wanted to, to kill him, and Gideon's father stands up for him and says, let Baal plead for himself. If, if Baal can't, can't take care of himself, what kind of a God is he? So we'll start in, in verse 33 of chapter 6. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel, the same valley where we had the battle uh, with Deborah and Barak. Uh, now, obviously, something's going on. God is drawing them together, obviously, to, uh, to take care of them. But we don't know, you know, maybe they heard of Gideon, they know, think something's going on. So they're getting ready to come and, and come into the land like locusts, as we've learned before, and, and impoverish the Israelites. So verse 34, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abizurites gathered behind him. Now we don't speculate that the shofar, the, the trumpet, hadn't been blown for quite a while. So the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and, uh, and the people were, were now energized by one man filled with the spirit. And we've seen this in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, the Lord's spirit, says the Lord of hosts, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace to it. So we know that God can do, his, his power is limitless. And now when the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, so now he's, now he's ready to go. Just as we'll see a few chapters later with Samson, at the worst time when he was uh, under bondage, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he, and he tore down the, their temple. So continuing in verse uh, 30, 35, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who, gathered, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. 
Now we know what, what happens next. He goes, he, he needs a second sign. Then Gideon said to the Lord, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry, only on the fleece, but on all the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. Now, I read some commentaries that, that question Gideon's faith. Um, obviously, a couple of things. Gideon didn't have the Bible to read. He, he didn't, didn't know the ending. Also, giving, he is also, he's listed in, the, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. He's listed as, as a man of faith by God in that book. So I think if God lists him as a man of faith, who are we to question it? And just giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know, he, he put the fleece out the first time and it was wet. Well, you know, maybe I did it backwards because we know the fleece is going to hold water, the ground will dry up. Let me get a do-over. Let me, let me do it over again. Um, so I, I think we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And again, if he's in the hall of faith in, in Hebrews, um, well, that's like, He's, 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 he's got a monument in Monument Park in Yankee Stadium. He's in between Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. So, that, and so again, who are we to question if God counts him as a man of faith? Now, a lot of Christians, you know, they go through this thing about putting a fleece out. You know, my problem, you know, God will answer it. Well, we know in the New Testament, Paul never put out a fleece. The answers are there in the Bible. Um, our problem is that we do know. We, we, we know the answer. Maybe sometimes we don't want it. Charles Swindoll said, we don't, lack, we don't lack for knowing. We lack for doing. Read the Bible. Reading the Bible is better than a fleece. We have the word of God. Gideon didn't have this. Gideon didn't have the Bible to read at that time. So again, just giving him a, uh, just a little, a little pass on that. So now moving into, into chapter, chapter seven. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Now it's interesting that in the beginning, he, he, we used both of his names. Um, Gideon, who's God's man, who's going to lead the people valiantly, but Jerubbabel, who's going to, who's going to break the, the idolatry that was in the land. Um, he's going to destroy the pagan religion. Um, just going back one second to, to, to the fleece and the sign. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 23, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the, Jew, to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. So and now, now moving into chapter 7, verse 2, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are, are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. 
God knows our nature. He knows that if we, if we can, we will, take, we will take credit for what's going on. And he wants to make sure that that is not happening. Um, he, he just, again, he just, he just wants to, there's no question, no question about what's going on, about, no question about what's going to happen. Just like when he, he led the, Jew, the, Jew, the children of Israel, Israel when he parted the, the sea, I mean, there's no question that that was his hand. It was not something that we could do in our own nature. Now, so now, verse 3, Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Now, in chapter 8, we'll know that there's 135,000 between the Midianites, etc., etc., that are against them. So now, and now, now 22,000, uh, again, have, have returned back. Um, this is also biblical, like Moses, in Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, the officers, officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. This was the command before Israel would go into battle. This was Moses' command. And we know that people who are not committed, people who, who are, are wavy, they could just, they could, that could spread to the rest of them and, and, again, make them not as efficient. But God is using them. He, God knows uh, <clears throat> God will always prevail. I mean, getting rid of the Midianites is no big deal for God. What he wants is his people to repent and turn back to him. Now, verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. So I think Gideon is, you know, he's obviously concerned about all these people, even because he knows they're facing 135,000 people. But he's still, he's still a man of faith, and he's still going to go through with it. I mean, he's still not questioning. He might be questioning in his mind, but he's not wavering. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog, dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lap putting their hand to their mouth was 300, 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. So maybe Gideon is at this point, he's thinking, well, it's only 300 I still have 9,700, we'll be fine. Um, but then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him, in the valley. Now, again, God wanted people to know it was him. 
because he knew that any other way the Israelites would take the credit. And, and just this, this one instance of the difference between the people who actually bent down into the water and the people who stood on their knees who, who were, were theoretically vigilant, you know, seeing what was going on. Maybe they had a sword in one hand. And <clears throat> it's, it's interesting that God can take ordinary circumstances of life and determine character. And it, it just reminds us that, that we need to be vigilant. Um, Jesus can come at any time. Are we bringing the water to our mouths and watching the horizon? Or, for instance, watching the events that are going on in the Middle East as we get closer and closer to his return? Now, we know that, that he will return as a, come as a thief in the night. And in Matthew 25, the parable of the... Uh, of the ten virgins, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming out to meet him. So even those who were wise, even though even those the virgins that took they that took the oil with them, they still fell asleep. They still they still lost their focus. This is we know the when Jesus went to pray in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, he they all fell asleep. They couldn't they couldn't again they couldn't keep keep focus on what was going on. And I think it's just a lesson that we we need to again be vigilant. We need to realize what's going on. We need to, to, to understand that he could come at any time. And that's why we always have to be prepared. Um, you know, moving on to verse uh, 9. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Not, I may deliver it, I have delivered it. But here's a, there's a, now there's a little twist here, and maybe he's beating Gideon to the punch. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So I think, again, God is beating him to the punch. You know, instead of, uh, he's going to ask me for another sign, I'm going to give him one, I'm going to send him, I'm going to send him down there. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east were lying in the valley, as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in a multitude. Now again, we're sort of just going back to Barak and, and Deborah when they defeated Sisera. He had, I think it was, 900 chariots of iron. So now we have a new weapon of war, camels, who could travel great distances quickly. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then, this, then his companion answered and said, 
This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Now, the symbolism here, um, you know, we might think, you know, when he said barley bread, well, it could have been a marble loaf. What does it matter? But the, the barley is a symbol because that was the cheapest grain. That was a sign of poverty. So in Gideon's eyes, Gideon is that, is that barley loaf. And the, uh, the, the Greek emphasizes the tent. Uh, so assumption here is that it is the royal tent, the commander. So again, this is now Gideon will find Gideon is, is now, he's in, he's, in full, he's in full with it. He's ready to go. And it's interesting, I know Pastor Joe has mentioned a few times uh, and it came up in, in, the, in the simulcast last week about how, how God will use dreams like in the radical Muslims to turn them. So again, it's just taking, taking this situation and applying it to the current that, that we see that, that it is being used, that, that God can do this and he will. So when, in verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its, interpret, its interpretation, then he worshiped. Now, he didn't, he didn't just break out in song. He obviously prayed to God and bowed his head and probably realized, you know, this is, this is real. God is with me and I have no fear. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers with torture, torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Now this is various things. It could be 10 o'clock, it could be midnight, but it's night. I mean, and there's no, um, there's no TVs, nobody's watching Letterman. So usually 8 o'clock when it gets dark, so the whole camp is asleep, except for, you know, whatever who guards or watchmen are out there. So just as they had posted the watch, so now this is just in the, in the changing of the guard, so to speak. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands, so that now the, the torches, the flames were showing. Then the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers, that they held, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands were blowing and they cried, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the, when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp and the army fled to Beth Achia towards Zariah as far as the border of Abel Mahoah by Tabith. Now, you got to think about it now. 
the watches are changing, so there are some people moving in and out of the camp. And now all of a sudden, between the trumpets and the lights, and now the, the, these, the two hosts could, could have seen each other beforehand, you know, in the day. So they saw whatever the 35,000, maybe they didn't know the number, but they saw two groups of, of the children of Israel leaving. So the speculation, they're surrounding us, you know, they're, they're all around us. So, so again, we can see the confusion that, that could come about. Um, and now they're, they're turning against each other. Because now in the dark, again, there's the guards returning and the guards going to watch. They're moving around the camp, and again, they're just, the Lord has just put them in a frenzy. Uh, and I, like in, I know my wife and I, we went on a business trip to California some years ago, and you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm went off. Between the flashing strobes and the bells, I mean, who, we didn't know what was going on. And I think that's, you know, again, you, you could see that. You could see that happening. You could see the confusion. So, and now, okay. Um, then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth Barah and Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. And Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianite. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. So now the people that have left have obviously now been called back, and the route is on, and God has has delivered the Midianites into into uh, into Gideon's hand, just as He said He would. Um, interesting. I just want to. Um, kind of close with this, but you know, sometimes God brings things to you and he puts it on your heart. Now, we got this pamphlet about a month ago from Koinia House. I used to get them all the time, but uh, I kind of stopped. But it looks, seems like they send one out every year around Christmas, I guess uh, trying to you know buy tapes and stuff. But anyway... It was, I think it was New Year's Eve, and my wife, did you read this? And I said, no, not really. So she, it starts here, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And I was like, whoa, that's really, that, that's like, that's like judges. That's like what's going on each time there's a deliverer. This is what's happening. And, you know, are we <clears throat> at this time, are they using, they're looking back, just as we, you know, Paul said, these, these, the Bible, these old stories are for our learning to see what, to see what, what was wrong, what they did wrong, and how to fix it. And it's just, just interesting because now, it's just talking about prayer. And after, you know, we, reading this verse, and now I'm going to read some of the rest of it, but the next day, or I think it was two days later when we had the men's devotion, 
what is Gary talking about? Gary's talking about prayer. That's what his, the message of his devotion was. Further, we, I, I didn't see the whole simulcast, but I did see Friday night. It seemed like the main thing that they were focusing on was how prayer and how prayer is needed. And, and again, we need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. And I'm just going to read an excerpt from this article. We often fail to recognize that prayer is God's way of involving us in what he wants to do. It is also provocative to recognize that he has a continuing learning. We, we know how to humble ourselves. We may not do it enough, but we know how. And pray, again, we know how, although we don't do enough of it. Then seek his face. That's more of a heart thing, a commitment of the volition. And turn from our wicked ways. Uh, there's the rub. Repentance is required. It is addressed to my people who are called by my name. It is not addressed to governments. It's not addressed to entertainment industry. It is addressed to the members of the body of Christ. It is the sins within the ecclesia that stand in the way of what he would prefer to do, to hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and hear their land, devoutly to be wished indeed. Re the prior pr referred to over 500 times in the scriptures, everyone can exercise this fantastic resource. It's a ministry all of us are called to. In fact, it is the most important activity a Christian can engage in. And it is, it is the deciding factor in spiritual warfare. Again, this, this last piece, I think this was, was the focus of, of when they talked about prayer in the simulcast, about how much it meant to them, about how, how much they needed it, and how much um, that it was something that was needed to, to overcome this, to, to, to reach Islam and, and to try and, and, and bring them into, into the fold, to bring them into learning that um, the Quran is not, is not the way, is not the, is not the way to go. Um, anyway, I just wanna <clears throat> close in a word of prayer. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.